No, I'm doing well, you know, and I've got a good family. And uh, and the, the ex-players and players, they are so good to you and the club's so good to you. Uh, you know, I've been so lucky to be involved with Essendon Footy Club and I, I would assume most clubs are the same, but our club, I can talk about, to me personally, when I got crook last year... Um, and I didn't work that much. I came in a bit here and there because I was cooking, not cooking. Then I did really well. Uh, but they said to me, look, if you don't work one day, we're paying... And this is back in November, so the year's been going one month. They said, look, if you can work normally, we pay you your normal wage. And if you can't work at all, we pay you your normal wage. And I said, well, that's not right. I'm only meant to get three months. And they just said, no, we're paying you for the year. So when things were good, um, yeah, financially, I, I just got paid for the year. Um and they didn't need to do that, so I'm very, very mm. grateful for that. Because so, so you're the reason the club's got no money? Well, yeah. Because it, because I actually need to talk to you about that, Reedy. Is pay it forward is probably coming <laughs> pretty handy now, I think. Hey, listen, listen. <laughs> I've got a picture of Birdie retiring. It was 2007. He earned 10 oh, can we cut him up now? 2018. 12 years ago. Can we wish him goodbye? <laughs> Uh, so how are you boys going? You going all right? Dr. Bruce Reed. Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast, episode number 113. Yeah, the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast is two blokes who have known each other forever who catch up most days in the Melbourne CBD to talk everything Essendon Football Club. My name is Grant and with me is Scott. Hello, everyone. Uh, the, this is going to be a, a big show. There's going to be a lot of talk about drafts and trades, but uh, to kick off the show, uh, we... Um, Wanted to have a, uh, a just a moment where we discuss one of the most important and figures at the Essendon Club by far for the last three decades. Uh, uh, Bruce Reed, who joined the club in 1982, a very significant name to all of us. Uh, I have on the line uh, Ron Conley just to join uh, our initial just chat for 10 minutes on, on Bruce Reed. How are you going, Ron? Yeah, good, guys. Um, yeah, sad day. Really sad day. Yeah, I mean, you, you've obviously been covering football and Essendon for a while. Uh, can you tell me kind of your thoughts when you heard the news and, and just what his name uh, means to the club in your time? Well, I mean, look, I, I was I was a little bit taken aback because I, um, I had spoken to the family recently and, uh, you know, I, I knew things weren't going well, but... Um, I guess the speed of the decline probably took me aback a bit, but you know that's cancer is such a insidious thing that that can be how it works. But look, in terms of the legacy, um, I've been thinking about it a lot today, and <clears throat> I mean Bruce was the sort of guy that makes football clubs tick. You know, I mean people always think about players and coaches, but um, I mean this guy was just the lifeblood of an entire club for near on 40 years and the relationships he had with players and, and the coaching panel but not not just that relationships with all the people that interact with the club and and that includes media and, and supporters and I was thinking about my own relationship with him I mean you know I, I started writing about football in 1983 and Bruce arrived at the Bombers in 82 so you know I was dealing with him in an essence sense from day one of my football writing career. And um, when, you know, probably the quality about him, I think of the most is the integrity. Uh, Like he just, he couldn't lie to you. And trust me, back in the eighties, you know, people in footy had no worries about lying to you routinely, but um, it was a different time, you know, like 
journalist then, if you were chasing up news on injuries and stuff, you didn't go through a media department or wait for a press release. None of that existed. So you would ring the doctor. Um, and some of them were sort of more media friendly than others. And, and Bruce was always terrific, you know, unfailingly polite, always had time for a chat. The one thing he always said was, um, I can't tell you the truth about hamstrings. He said, you know, she just said very bluntly, we're not to let out any info on hamstrings. So you could ask him about you could ask him about something else and he'd tell you everything you need to know. And then if you asked about someone and said, Oh, I heard so and so's a bit uh, a bit dodgy and it might be a hamstring thing and he'd say, Okay, next question which was his way of telling you the guy had a hammy that he didn't yeah. have to tell you. I mean he, he couldn't lie to you. Um, Savvy. But he you know, he was he was a uh, a, a very smart guy, a very funny guy. Um, he knew when to sort of balance seriousness with levity. Um, and, you know, I've seen photos of him today and he's invariably smiling. You know, he just had a, a very sort of sunny disposition. I think he had a good perspective on life. And whilst football was important, you know, it wasn't necessarily the be-all and end-all. And I know players of spoken to over the years about him. That's why they loved him so much, that he could lighten the mood when it needed to be lightened. And also, this is the other thing about club doctors going back, you know, um, back through time. These guys weren't just doctors to players. They were confidants and they were mentors. And, and, you know, the number of times and the number of club doctors, and I know Bruce particularly, you know, they get called some players in the middle of the night, you know, with some sort of mystery ailment that they were worried sick about. And he'd happily attend to that, you know, go go and visit them, <laughs> go and give them a home visit and fix up whatever they needed fixed up. And, uh, and, and not just with the club, he ran his own practice for most of that time and yeah. attending his, his own personal private patients. And he dealt exactly the same way with them. Uh, I don't know how he managed to fit it all in but you know he and he was genuinely interested in people too so as a journal you know I'd, I'd go and turn up at training he'd see you he'd come over and have a chat ask you what you're up to ask about your family um you know and and that little grab you played at the start of the show I mean that's just so symbolic of the guy I mean he you know they're interviewing him about him and the last thing he says is you know say so how are you guys going I mean it's that interest in and curiosity in other people that I think is one of the, the very best human qualities and, and he had it in spades. Now, and, that, and that's a little bit why I played that clip, uh, the, the very fact that you picked that up. Uh, look, uh, I didn't know I didn't know Reedy that well. I mean, only, only at training was the odd high and, you know, how things going, but I didn't really know him well, well at all, to be honest. Uh, but from afar, it, it almost felt like, his his medical or being the doctor was almost secondary to being almost one of the boys and being a counselor almost in some ways. But one thing you know, I always felt like he he was he led by conviction. Um, he he caught it as it is, and you know I even remember, you know you got to remember even during that saga, like you know uh, the coaches that got you know you know there was charges laid against him, and he was he was charged by the AFL as well, and. And, you know, he, he was very adamant, you know, obviously the, the famous quotes of, you know, sort of uh, stuff you, <laughs> I'll fight you. And well, no, the, the, the actual quote was tell them to get stuff. And yeah. uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful quote. And, and he was um, absolutely proven correct, wasn't he? Because he, uh, you know, integrity was everything to him and he didn't want to be uh, stuck and, and were stuck with the implied guilt of taking the rap. So he called their bluff and they duly backed down. And what does that tell you about, you know, about the validity of, of those, uh, of those allegations, you know? So, um, that, that says it all really. I mean, I, I've met a few people in my life, um, with the sort of integrity that Bruce had and, uh, you've only got to see the flood of tributes on social media and in the, the mainstream media today from former players and, and, you know, in some cases players that weren't even around that long, they all remember him fondly and they all had some sort of relationship with him. That's a really remarkable thing 
when you deal with as many people as Bruce did in a professional and personal capacity. Yeah, I guess I, I often think about people like Bruce Reed, and again, you you get um, the 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 um, the the word, the kind words that everybody is saying about him today. Is is he one of the the eighties personalities that you get from sort of the AFL in the eighties, where it potentially was a bit looser and the the doctor could like you said, go over to players' houses at 2am and sort out something for them and be a little bit more than a doctor. Is is he another one of those big characters from the 80s that are gone? And and I sort of, uh, uh, the second part of that question is, are the doctors like that today? Or is it just a bit more professional, I'm a doctor and that's it? Um, no, look, I, I mean that, you know, I don't want to do a disservice to the medical staff of clubs today, but they don't have to be that all-encompassing. I mean, I guess that's the point I was making before. You know, clubs are so well-resourced now that, you know, if, if if players have an issue, which is really sort of a psychological issue, you know, they can go and get that sort of level of help for it internally. And yeah. that wasn't the case back in the 80s with Reedy. I mean, you, you know, you're talking about a whole club administration and staff that was, a you know, a fraction of the size it is today. And it was the same deal with football departments. You know, I mean, football departments, you had a senior coach, a reserves coach, a football manager, a physio, and a doctor. And, you know, that's what I'm saying. I mean, like, you know, the, the doctors would have to deal with media, you know, and uh, you couldn't do that today. And I, I, that's no reflection on the doctors around today because yeah. I'm sure a lot of them, you know, you don't get into medicine unless I think you have a an empathic sort of nature to begin with. But particularly a GP too, you know, as Bruce was rather than a specialist, you know, you're dealing with all manner of ailments. You're dealing with all stratas of society. You're dealing with, you know, people who are in privileged positions and people who aren't. Um, And I think, you know, you need a, a really empathic sort of nature to be able to cope with that and, and he certainly had that. And and also, he was he was one of the boys. And, you know, mm. what does that tell you, too, that you've got so many players who are in their early to mid-20s, and here's a guy who, you know, even when he started, was in his, what, you know, 40s, and they still see him as a mate because there's no generation gap there because he can, he can be a boy with them. And, and he certainly didn't um, – he didn't – cop their crap, you know, like he was... <laughs> he came back you know, to but, yeah. Yeah, well, he was, he was a practical joker. I mean, was that Lloydy, uh, sorry, Gary O'Donnell told a great story today about one time they were over in London for an end-of-season game and uh, they were training in Hyde Park and there was a rule that you weren't allowed to sort of have a, a full-on training session there. So Bruce organised for a couple of local cops to arrest Sheets and take him away in a a paddy wagon, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, there's stories about him getting pushed in various pools and, um, you know, he, he certainly dished it out as much as he took it and I think the players loved him for that and everyone who knew him loved him for that. You know, and he's, that whole family, I mean, you know, there's five kids, they're all great kids. Uh, his wife, Judy, yeah. you know, they're, they're just, they're fantastic people and, um, you know, I, I know it sounds cliched and, they, you know, when, when someone passes away, everyone speaks kindly of them, but you just could not speak kindly of this guy. And the great tragedy is that, you know, I, I feel like, um, you know, you get to my sort of age and you start losing people that you know and like more and more and it just feels like lately, you know, all the good ones are going and he very, very much was one of the good ones and, exactly without harping on about the current situation in the club you know Bruce was such a such a crucial part of the fabric of that club and and when we talk about you know what's going wrong um I I think personally you know it's sort of the absence of enough people like that but it's Mm. it's a very hard thing to manufacture because these people are so giving of themselves to everyone else. They devote so much time and energy to the club. They're a very rare breed. And, um, you know, we, we've, trust me, we, we've lost a, we've lost a good one. 
No, uh, look, uh, uh, first of all, just thank you for your time, Ron. It, it was, it, I guess, the it was nice to to obviously have him elevated his legend status uh, recently and by the club. I think that that was an important step. Um, uh, and just finally for me, it, it felt like from afar that the Essendon Football Club just was zero uh, a job to him. It was a sheer passion and joy and and it almost felt like if anything he could do to get away from the office and come to the club he didn't need much of an excuse it, that, that, to how passionate he was about the club absolutely absolutely and and anytime you saw him in that club environment that's what it, it looked like you know whether it was a training i mean you know i i did the boundary line for a couple of radio stations for a long time and so at Essendon games you know bruce would be sitting a couple of feet away from me and constant banter over, you know, back and forth and he and Ian Reynolds, the other long-serving doctor and um, just that perpetual grin on his face, you know, and the camaraderie, not just with his own club people, but opposition clubs, you know, and that's one of the great things about footy. You see the two clubs, benches, pass each other at the start of the game and everyone knows each other and, and say day. but, you know, there was always a whole lot of people from other clubs making a beeline for Reedy because that's how popular and, and well-known he was. And, um, you know, geez, I, I reckon most of us would hope that when we pass, um, people speak as fondly of us as the tributes for him have been today. And they're absolutely deserved, genuinely, you know, one of the nicest handful of people I've ever known in my entire life. No, well, very, very well. Very well said, mate. Uh, look, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I know it's very late notice, so it's very much uh, appreciated. And um, uh, look, on behalf of this podcast, uh, we just want to send our love and thoughts to to the Reed family, and absolutely, and, and also the the staff and and players and ex players at, at Essendon because they'll, they'll all be hurting today. Uh, so just we send our our, our thoughts and, and and I guess rest in peace, uh, Bruce Reed, and um, uh, thank you for everything you've done. So that's uh, again, thank you, Rowan, and. Um, We'll see everyone after the break to talk more about the uh, the trading and draft period. Yes, welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. Reunited. Reunited in the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast studios, otherwise known as the front room at Scotty's house. Um, it is really good to be back, and uh, it was great to hear from Ron Connolly then um, on uh, on the dock, as he was known at Essendon. Um, I was just flicking through uh, Facebook a couple of minutes ago, and um, you, you see so many quotes from him, but Mark, Mark Robinson also just put a quote in there, and he goes, if... Bruce Reed was one of those guys that if you if you ever hear that everybody Luke liked a guy or everybody liked him, if you ever hear it about um, about Doc Reed, genuinely believe it because literally every person he ever spoke to would would speak incredibly highly out of, uh, of him. So, um, I'm I'm fascinated um, with what Rowan said with regards to the fabric of the club. Yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's not what big, we need right now. It's a big big chunk of of Essendon. Yeah, it really is, um, and and when especially when we're looking for that, um, that identity, the new identity that we're trying to find as a club off on the field, um, and new mm -hmm. coaching and the like, um, I hope people that have been around like Simon Madden and and all those guys, they start to tell Truck and they tell, um, Gia that's coming over to the to the Dons and that sort of stuff about the kind of culture, and they use Doc Reed to. Yeah, as an example of the kind of culture that Essendon needs moving forward. So I don't think his legacy at Essendon will ever be lost. And I think there's good opportunities to quote his name a lot when you're trying to understand an identity that's the Essendon Footy Club. Yeah, I mean, it, obviously, you know, when Essendon are, are doing the extension to the hangar and they're talking about uh, installing a, a really significant museum in there, you know, uh, it'd be great to have a, a, almost a section on oh, Bruce Reed in that museum. You could name so, the thing after him. Like you could, you could name it the the Doc Reed anything yes. uh, in that joint quite happily. So look, uh, 
let's let's go on to uh, originally. Look, to be honest, originally this podcast was all trade and drafts, but uh, such was the news where obviously us being passionate Essendon fans, we wanted to make sure the first segment of the show um, was rightfully all about Bruce Reed and, and dedicating a, a segment to him and, and his influence. But uh, we will move on. We'll try and but move also, on. Just a quick one. Just massive thanks again to Rowan Connolly um, for coming on. His, his insight, I think I've said this before, when we did the Zoom shows for um, with the, the players and that sort of stuff, that, that man has forgotten more about AFL football than you and I will ever know. So it's great to have his insight um, on yeah. Doc um, and, and his understanding of – of like you said, turning up at he started doing being a journo in '83, going down to the going down to Windy Hill, and and Reedy was there from '82, so he'd know the man really well. So it, it's good to hear him speak so highly of him as well. Yeah, exactly. So look, lots of lots of talk that's happened this week. Uh, it it feels like trade week is happening, but it's not. Um, it's, it's, it's it's the Dodoro, it's, mate. It's hey, Diddy. It's not hey, even Diddy. overly that close. It's still still like six or seven days away. So, oh, excuse me. I just They're out there. That's nice. Nice little burp there. Professional. <laughs> professional. pick up there. Uh, so, yeah. So, look, uh, obviously, the much of the talk is around Dunkley. Uh, we haven't discussed it yet on the on our main podcast. So, first of all, I love the, the aggression. Essendon. Um, Before we even get into the aggression, who is this kid? So, he's a six foot three tall midfielder at the Western Bulldogs. 20, uh, how old? 23, that's what I said, 23. Oh, 23, did you say that? Sorry, yes. I'm on fire. Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, so. No, you said six foot three. A six foot three, 23 year old. Oh, did you say that? Okay, sorry. We'll, we'll, we'll check the tape later. We'll check the tape. Uh, so look, he's he's an inside clearance specialist, uh, physical kind of player. Large arrangement. I, I think he's in the top six in defensive pressure. Uh, in the AFL, so you that's what you get. He, look, uh, I'll be honest, he's not the world's greatest kick, so you don't think silky skill. Uh, it, it's definitely adequate, trust me, but uh, it's not going to be, you know, a, an elite kind of level. So you, But what you get is a very hard-nosed, physical, inside bull who's, like I said, he is Joe Watson's kind of size. Okay, so, so we're not, he's not going to be worrying Usain Bolt. Um, in the 100 metres, but... No, but he is going to be... Yeah. He sounds like... And again, if if the supporters can t- have a clear mind when you think about it, what do we need at the club? Like, seriously, what have we been crying for for three, four, five years? An inside mid who can get his hands on the ball and allow the, the, um, the Ferraris like Dylan Shield to be on the outside of the pack... Um, Mr. Dunkley's it. Yeah. Well, that's it. I mean, and it's important to mention Jai Coldwell nominating Essendon as well. It's who's a big deal. Who's also a clearance player. Now, he, he's, uh, he was pick 11 in the 2018 draft, which was, funny enough, was the pick that uh, we traded to GWS for Dylan Scheel. Uh, so it all is a bit round in the circles kind of <laughs> moment here, but... Uh, Colwell is an interesting one. He's only played, uh, I think, 10 or, or 9 games. Uh, had a little bit of an injury, hamstring kind of uh, issue in his junior career. So he's only really just starting his AFL football. Always was ranked very, very high. Like even when he was pick 11 in the 2018 draft, there was definitely people who thought he could have gone lower, but he just didn't play that many games that year in the DAC to fully understand his talent. But so it's one of those situations where, a bit like Josh Eyre, the the kid that we're looking at at the academy, yep. he the games that he played at TAC Cup were very, very good. And then we didn't get to see all of the games to be able to get a as yeah, good a understand yeah. full read yeah a full read on him like the other top 10 picks so he slid maybe to 10 uh, to 11 but he could have gone i don't know much higher than that even well cal toomey says he was the second best mid in that draft behind sam walsh so it's fairly high raps so it would be you know and he's a clearance player as well and he, and you know his hero is joel selwood and that's where he wants to base his game off so that's two inside clearance players and you, what you said was exactly right. So what it does is realign and reconstruct the midfield. And it's funny because we, you know, are probably our four podcasts ago, I said, you said, what do you need, Scott? And I said, we need to reconstruct this midfield for the guys 
and, you know, and place them into where they're best suited. Yep. So you're going to have maybe a Dylan Shield more on the outside, McGrath more more on the outside, Merritt. It's perfect. Uh, so, so as much as people might think, oh, we, we might look a bit slower, we actually won't because the Shield and McGrath and Merritt will be more running and delivering the ball. So it's it, it's just it's a much better midfield now. Saying that, there's actually a lot to happen. We, got, we got a lot. Caldwell's nominated, right? So, so that's the more likely of the two, obviously, because he's nominated. How do we get Caldwell? Uh, look, it is going to like is that just yeah. to just and the reason why I ask that question is to give um, the listeners a bit of an idea of okay, so he's nominated and genuinely. Uh, what I've seen in the last half a dozen years is that when a player nominates a club, they go something yep. eventually happens and it goes right. Yeah, are we going to have to give up significance for Caldwell, or we could we get him with a later pick? Because then the the next question after that is, we've got to get Dunkley right. But how does one get Dunkley? So how do we how do we get Caldwell? What's the likely scenario for you? Oh, well, Caldwell for me on the market is probably around about pick twenty. Pick. Okay, so you've got to work out. I think anything around that figure, GWS will probably um, come into play. Um, Do we I saw, have? I saw an interesting one on Bomber Blitz. Uh, good old Fog Dog from Bomber Blitz. He he had an interesting suggestion of um, uh, what's the guy from Fremantle? Uh, the full forward, uh, Jesse Hogan. So he actually said, you know, you could actually do a three-way trade. You could have a, a Jesse Hogan going to GWS, GWS sent Colwell to Essendon, um, and a one of the Oh, I've got to work it out now. Um, what does Frio get from Essendon? Uh, our pick. Uh, oh, sorry. Annoying. Don't you hate that? But it was a three-way trade. I just absolutely just left my mind right there. So don't you hate but, that? But they're, but they're, they're the kind of things you. It's not. It could not be just a straight up kind of pick and player. There could be multiple things. I think Essendon in both Dunkley and Coldwell could have another team involved. I think Dunkley. For my gut feeling is the Bulldogs want a um, want to play want players rather than picks. Okay. Um, so it is going to be a bit of a tricky one. So, and this is this is the thing, right? So like Caldwell, Caldwell, your what's your percentage likelihood that Caldwell gets done? Uh, I think we need to play that nominates uh, a club. Uh, it, to me, is, is is around about eighty to ninety percent. Okay. So we'll say if he nominates, then invariably it's going to get here, right? The thing, and and that's great because he's he's uncontracted, is he, or has he got like one year or something left? Uncontracted, uncontracted. So when he's uncontracted and he nominates, then generally they're going to come to your club. Yeah. Now then, um, Mr. Dodoro or A Diddy, if he pulls off this draft, he will be known moving forward as A Money or A Diddy, right? Moving forward, if he can get <laughs> this thing done, how in the hell does he drag <laughs> a contracted player who has? How many years left? Two on his, years. Two years left on his contract. I thought it was longer than that. No. Um, two years left on his contract. A required player at the Dogs who is that inside mid for those guys as well and sometimes pinch hits in the ruck um, for those boys. How does he drag that bloke out of the Dogs? Uh, it's a very good question. Uh, and look, uh, there's two parts to it, right? You actually need um, Pickering, his manager, and Dunkley to probably be a bit more vocal. Initially, so you got to put pressure. Got to nominate. Yeah, you got to put pressure on the club. Yeah. Now his nervousness will be if the Bulldogs are just adamant you're not going. He doesn't also want to upset players in the club. Yeah, I appreciate so that. So it's a very fine balance. Because you got to of, go back. If they say no, you've got to go back to um, yeah, the Witten Oval and start training with boys who know you don't want to be there. So it's it, and it, so it's yeah, it's a very delicate kind of situation. Now I believe the club are quite confident. I don't know what's based on that, but I believe they are. Yeah. Uh, so there's something in the – it feels like there's something there. And, and and this is the thing. If it was Caldwell and that was the only name that you'd hear, uncontracted, hasn't really had that many opportunities at GWS, you'd think, okay, so there's a there's a perfect low-hanging fruit for people to go and get. That That's going to happen um, because he, he'll want more opportunities at the Dons and that's great. But this is a bloke who's in the best 22 – uh, has two years left to go on a contract, and we're confident. So I reckon, I reckon Dodoro's had a bit of a. He must have had a coffee or with Pickering <laughs> or somebody, and said we're going to back up a B double worth of money up to him, and he's going to be one of the first midfielders selected in the entire team. So let's get something done. 
But this is audacious to go after a bloke like that. This is audacious. Yeah, exactly. And look, can I just mention that trade? I was talking about Fog Dog. So uh, he actually said Essendon gets Coldwell, GJ West get Hogan, Frio get pick 26, and Port get Fantasia. So he's actually adding Port. Uh, so mm. Port's got pick 26. So he's basically saying Essendon get Coldwell, GWS get Hogan. That's They need a forward. Yep. Uh, Frio get uh, pick 26. From, from Port Adelaide. From Port, yeah. And Port get Fantasia from Okay, us. yeah, man. That, that's, I like the sound of that. So that's 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 the kind of scenarios you can do, and, and that's a good one from Fog Dog. So Only one that I don't know about there is Hogan to, to GWS. Well, they, they may think Hogan's... With his state that he's in. Yeah, there's some issues there. Maybe a more of a port pick 35, 40. His, yeah. His talent is obviously a 20. Yeah. You know, but, but that may be not reality yeah. uh, with what comes with him at yeah. the moment. Yeah. So, but they're, they're the, I mean, it's, we, Essendon are a very creative team around trade time. So I could do, I could roll off four different scenarios and I reckon I wouldn't be even close to what Dodoro's thinking because I always go, how did they think of that? Um, Would you not love to be a fly on the wall? In his in his yeah. war room, you, you know, there's an office somewhere, yeah. or maybe it's Dodoro's office, and he's got. I like to picture it anyway. I like to think he's got whiteboards on the on the wall, and he's got just names up there, and who does he need to talk to, and where yeah. they're at, and he's he's making the phone calls a bit like that. Um, I think it's any given Sunday or whatever it is uh, with Kevin Costner dealing players and stuff, and he's ringing the dogs or he's ringing Pickering, going, "Mate, I want, I want Dunkley." It's like f- four years. 650, bring him over. And now, nah, you know, you can't have him. Yeah, we'll see. Let's have a chat about that. So I if if we get that, I I've said this on the on the Facebook page and stuff. Like, seriously, they need to build a statue to Adrian Dodoro <laughs> at Essendon if he pulls this off, right? You wonder, do you wonder if um like Adam Trelaw's right, age 27. So it's not a crazy old age. Uh-huh. He's 27. Um you just wonder if Collingwood, Essendon, and the Bulldogs would ever talk to each other and saying, Bulldogs, you know, what happens if we give, like, Collingwood our pick six? Um, Trelaw, you go to Bulldogs. Bulldogs, you send Dunkley to us. That, I mean, I'm mean just flying off the top of my head, but that's another, that's the other kind of scenario as yeah. well. And basically, you just get Trelaw. Like, you, you've lost yeah. Dunkley, but you've got one of the best midfielders in the comp. And I think you explained to me that Chalor's got a big chunk of coin that's attached to him. <laughs> yeah, see, that's, um, I mean, the Bulldogs would have to accept that contract unless they can convince Collingwood to say, can you pay 100 or 200K? I think, Ev, I think Collingwood realises that's going to have to happen, right? So uh, there's, there, there's so many scenarios that could be happen, uh, that could happen. And, uh, and look, as much as, you know, I, I do want to mention one thing. A lot of the times I see, uh, you know, Essendon scenarios say, hey, we'll give them back our third round pick or we'll give them that kind of, uh, we'll give them back a fourth round pick. I understand Essendon actually want to keep those picks and, mm. I'll, and I'll explain why. And you explained it to me <laughs> recently, which is which is great. It's all about points, isn't it? Yeah, and that's the, that's the, that's the whole other area that uh, surrounds this. So Essendon obviously have... Uh, you know, so to give you an example, Essendon have, say, pick 61, 69, and 70. Now, they all sound, you know, weird, but yeah. we stack them up deliberately. Like, two of those are trade-ins uh, from just deals last year, knowing Josh Eyre and Cody Brand from our Next Generation Academy will be available for us to claim if someone bids on them. But? But we need to give away points. So yeah, that's but, but before you get to the points part, but those boys are expected to go because you explained this really well to me. Those boys are expected to go high in the draft, right? Yeah. And the higher the expected draft position, the they they get allocated an 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 amount of points per draft position, right? So say Josh Air goes at pick six or is estimated to go at pick six. He <laughs> gets definitely not. Is so, he not? Oh no, no. So just to give you an idea, so Cody Brand's forecasted Around like I asked Toomey again, so he said, "Look, you can sort of safely say around thirty, maybe thirty-five. Oh, okay, right. Okay, and Josh sorry. Air probably around forty-five. Okay, cool. So, but, we, so but. they're so they're late round kind of selections that you don't have to put too much points, but you still need it. Like you actually have to grab. Yeah. So Josh Air and, and and Cody Brand combined would probably I don't know. Let's just pluck a number, right? Be two thousand two hundred points or something like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. Be. 
when with the draft picks that you've got, 69, 70, and whatever the other draft 61, pick 61, 60, yes. 69, 69 70, whatever it is. So 61 might be worth 500 points. The other ones might be worth 400 points. The other one might be worth 100 points or something like that. You need to add those draft pick points that are allocated by the AFL yep. up to equal 2,200 2, to be able to draft both of those kids. Yeah, I mean, how I kind of see it is, say Josh E goes 45 and it's 600 points, yeah, and pick 60s are all 200 and 300. Yeah, you, you need two of those picks to maybe get Josh Air. Uh, you've got another pick that you need Cody Brand. Um, so you may have to use your pick 41 and, and a late pick to get Cody Brand, and that's how you do it. Yeah. So it's not as simple to say, you know, the scenario of Adam Saar go to Carlton. Carlton won our third-round pick if they give us pick seven. Essendon, that's why you're here. Essendon aren't going to budge too lightly on that because – it matches it. You think like, oh, it's just a third round pick uh, going back to Carlton. Just do the deal because uh, you get pick seven. Him. It actually is important because what if they really rate Josh Air? Oh. Like uh, Josh Air, uh, basically in the AFL draft combined, the country combined, he, he killed it. He he was top two in all the key stats you want yeah. as a forward. He's a fifty-five meter left foot boot. Now he's got a long way to go. He hasn't played much time, but he's got. He's got a lot of attributes. I think Essendon going to be keen on excited because, about because he's a he's a quality leading up forward. Um, that you know Ed Pasco, who who was on the show recently, said he, he's very much likened. Not obviously not not to that level, but his style of game is likened to a Scott Lucas. Uh, so that in you go, well, that's exactly the kind of player that's, we need. <laughs> but then Cody Brand is a Dustin Fletcher. So you go, well, there's an actual need. With Hooker and Hurley getting a bit old, yeah, getting a bit old as well. So they're actually important pieces to a spine that, if they worked out, are really big bonuses. So it's a there's so much involved in a trade period that you can't be you can't just let go of picks just willy nilly. Just say, oh, we'll give you a fourth round pick back. Yeah, sure. Essendon, I think, need to hold a bit strong. Carlton saying, oh. no, it's just pick seven. That's what he's worth. That's it. We all know pick seven is going to end up being pick 10 or 11. Yep. And that's where Essendon's argument will be. Yeah, we're all saying pick seven. Three NGA kids go in the, yep. in the first 10 picks. Yep. Everyone's pick goes back three spots. Now it's pick 10. He is worth about pick 10. So, oh, sorry. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. now just... We just want your pick seven because it's going to be re realistically pick ten. That's that's all the conversations I think will be happening. It's going to be a very chess kind of like, but we need to hold our ground a bit. And Adrian Dodore is just a master at it. Everybody <laughs> knows he does not. He's not Doesn't fun budge, to negotiate. No, he's <laughs> not fun to negotiate with. But but that's the thing is he's he's not fun to negotiate with. But on the sad thing, I was thinking about that. If Carlton, I swear, if if Carlton want anything more like if they're not willing to give us pick seven that's nuts well the, the report is today and you never know what's right and wrong the report is today that carlton said seven will be in play but we want something back now nah nah you're getting an all australian small forward mate small back small back so small forward small back yeah you're getting all australian small back who it's top three in bnf all three years yeah in, yeah. in all, all three years and is a gun right and we're really sad to lose him right so mate it's pick seven it's absolutely yeah. pick seven. And like you said, it's not, it's not Carlton's fault and it's not Essendon's fault, but pick seven will be then pick ten. Now, the interesting part is, uh, I hate mentioning his name, but Damian Barrett uh, did say that O'Brien or Paddy Dow has been mentioned in talks. Um, uh, so I don't know how that would work. I actually like Paddy Dow. I, I don't mind him. Um, but I, I don't know how that works because I know Essendon want pick seven. So Yeah, but meaning are Carlton willing to give us – Pick seven and Paddy Dow. Well, I'm assuming, you know, there's something involved there, you know. I, and you, know, you never know with Damien Barrett what's, what's hey, real or not. You that's know. a flog, but anyway. Because um, uh, there was a whole talk of, um, you know, Dodoro coming and saying, I want Sam Walsh and I want Kurt <laughs> Owen. Yeah. I have it on pretty good authority uh, by a person quite involved in those negotiations yes. that that was completely false. So, uh, yeah. so that's, you know, so you gotta, you never know what's happening. Yeah. What's real. Um, the only thing I could think of is like, is like say Paddy Dale, like say Vesson said, we want pick seven, but we actually really like Paddy Dale. The only scenario I could see is next year is obviously meant to be a super draft. It's meant to be the okay. big draft. Do you, do you offer, 
uh, like a sec future second round pick. Yeah, oh, um, absolutely. To say, well, we actually like Dow as as it fills the holes that we need. Uh, we'll get him pick seven. But Carlton, in a super draft, you get our second round pick, which we probably might not finish top eight. You know, we you know well. No one's no one's going to tip Re- us to finish top eight. Yeah, yeah. Rebuilding, um, so the pick will be actually quite a good pick in the twenties. So, and then maybe you can even go along the lines of he probably won't do this, but you can go along the lines of yeah, righto, pick seven, and if Colton wants something in return, then yeah, you can have pick forty-seven. Right yeah. now, we need those like you just explained. We need those picks for the for the NGA boys, but then you get you get Sadi and they they get their pick, and then you back yourself. In another one of the deals, the mm. the Joe deal or the um, or the Raz deal or anything along those lines, you back yourself to get another half decent second round pick, yep. chucked in with it. Um, give up sort of what you've got now, and hopefully you can pinch another second rounder from somewhere else to get those points for the NGA boys. Yeah, Man, how much fun would it be to hang out in <laughs> Dodoro's office? Oh, there'd be so strategize. much talk. Like there would be so much to think about. I mean, you've got you've got one of the best. Um, uh, rated kind of players coming through in Australia, which is one of Davy's sons. Now he's at NGA. He's going to be Essendon tied. Uh, I'm not sure if it's next year or the year after. But you've got to think about that and go. Yeah, we, well, we've got to have picks for him. He's going to be a very, very good player, and he's tearing it up. So we've got to get him. So it's so much. There would be mm. such a big whiteboard. Future planning, current future planning, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, next year planning. And do you know what the interesting part is? I don't get a real gauge about where Essendon are with Joe Danaher. Like, a, a what? No, there's just been nothing said there. No, well, I mean, Brisbane said that Essendon hasn't flagged the idea that they're going to contest his free agency bid. I think they will because uh, – What does that mean? What does, what does contest mean? Well, basically it says, is, you know, we have the right to say, no, we're going to match your, your, and he stays. your bid. No, it doesn't mean he stays. It means they have to do a trade, more likely. So, oh. so if Essendon think they're only going to get pick nineteen, and you know that's it for Joe, which will end up being like pick twenty four, you know, and just you know if we don't contest yeah. the bid, it's just a compensation pick. By all reports, it's not going to be a pick top ten pick. It's going to be around about pick nineteen. Yep. That goes to twenty four. Essendon might go. You know what? We're going to match it. But you then you go. You're gonna to have to trade for it. We know you've got two late first round picks. We want your two late first round picks because we know this guy's a game changer for you guys. We saw your final. We saw your forwards yeah, struggle. Act, struggle. Yeah. You know you need him. Uh, so we're going to basically let's do a trade. Then, whether yeah, it's man. whether it's pick eighteen and a Witherden or whether it's two first round picks. Yeah. But we're gonna we need more than just a pick. Uh, a 19 pick that's going to end up being 24. Yeah, I, I reckon we look. Joe's going, and that's extremely sad. But I would be maximising that. Yeah, boy. It, that's a critical trade. Yeah. How everything plays out uh, to get right. Um, I mean, you would love to their two late two first round picks because you can do so much. Like Coldwell straight away is oh is in. He's done. He's yep. in. He's done. Uh, and then you got juice an, it up for the dogs, you, maybe. You know, you get pick seven. So you say you got eighteen and nineteen from Brisbane, kind of thing. You go nineteen for Coldwell. You got eighteen, six, and seven because you got sevens facade. You got talk. Ring up the dogs and go, mate. We've got another first rounder <laughs> we can play around you, with. Then you've got the Dunkley. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's just. Oh, I, I, I yeah. Like you said, you'd love to be a fly on the wall. This, I mean, it's it's a time where Essendon fans just do so many scenarios. Uh, but in realistically, we don't know what the hell's going and, on. No, absolutely right. And and annoyingly, I, I we've we've all been frustrated with the club, and we've all had the 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 talking through gritted teeth moments, and we're all upset and 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 annoyed. But and again, I said to Scotty, and we, we were talking about it that. I'm looking forward to the off season just to because the season was so frustrating, and I'm looking yeah. forward to the off season. Watch a bit of cricket, do the do the summer thing, and it's it's great. And then I'll come back next year, and like every single year, I'll get sucked back into the Essendon Footy Club, <laughs> and I'll know. look forward to round one, and I get sucked back in. The buggers have sucked me back in now. I know well, like they've sucked me back in with with Dunkley. Like I've got how da- like how dare you go after Dunkley? That is. <laughs> audacious at the least, but I'm going, oh, man. And now it's like it feels like it's 50-50 kind of. I know, thing. and I'm sitting there going, look, Dunkley, yeah, great. Yeah, good. That, that's a that's like walking in saying I'll have Sam Walsh, right? But there's genuinely, and again, Scotty and I, 
on the Facebook page, I, I often say, please don't put, I know a mate who told me that we're getting uh, Patrick Cripps and Sam Walsh for yeah, yeah. our second round draft pick, right? Because it just it just frustrates too many people, me and Scott included, right? Kevin Sheedy's second cousin. Yeah, 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 who's the window washer at the AFL, overheard a rumour of two people outside, right? Um, but <laughs> I often I do find myself sometimes just sort of talking to people on the Facebook page going, hey, don't write off Dunkley, right? So I, I and to, to announce just on the podcast, right? How do we know this? How do we how can we say things like that without being hypocritical and saying we know a bloke who knows a bloke? Now, as much as I will say is this, believe, believe us when we say we are very, very, very lucky to be uh, to be in contact with people from the club. That's all, all we're going to say, right? And we would never, ever, ever give up any information the club didn't expressly give us the permission to say, right? But when we say things like Dunkley is genuinely 50-50 and we're, we're having a serious crack at Dunkley and it's not just walking in and saying, yeah, we'll have, um, just give us Bontempelli and uh, and whatever other hacks you've got in that midfield at, at Footscray. It, it's, it is a genuine, this is a genuine crack at Dunkley and we're not far off him. Now, there's every chance that we could probably not get it done because the dogs would be just going, are you mad? No, you can't have him. No, go away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? It'd be like someone walking in and saying, um, can we have uh, Zach Merritt or, or Ridley? You'd go, no, no, you can't have Ridley. Go away. But for us to be seriously talking about a bloke that's got two years to go on a contract and he's the exact kind of player that we need, all of those people out there, all of you listeners that are saying we need results from the club, I want to see change, I want to see these things, that is clear evidence that the club is trying to do something, and I've said it before, audacious to get an in-and-under big-bodied mid. We've got one in Caldwell who's a good young, probably not as big as Dunkley, but a good young kid. We've dragged him out of GWS and we'll get him for not a hell of a lot. But I swear, if we pull Dunkley out of the Western Bulldogs and he becomes in our starting midfielders, it changes everything. Because again, Scotty in his wise, sage ways um, was explaining to me last night that if I have any criticism of our list management, uh, there's some of them, but the list... The, the criticism I would have is that Shield Smith, McGrath, and Merritt. Parish. Yeah. Uh, and well, Parish, but McGrath and Merritt, they're all the same size. Yeah. Right now, we have the ability to get Shield Smith and Saad. No, Saad is gone, so we can call that. But Smith, uh, um, Shield and Smith, they are roughly the same size as Merritt, and not much bigger. Parishes are much bigger than those guys. Um, so we signed them. Why wouldn't you sign Dylan Shield and Devin Smith? Absolutely, right? But it does then make our midfield that same smaller than most midfield size. But like you said at the beginning of the, of the podcast, it changes everything in our midfield. If Andy McGrath doesn't have to be the guy on the bottom of the pack kicking across his shoulder and then having to get hammered every two minutes, if that's Dunkley and Merritt, not even Merritt, but if it's Dunkley and Caldwell and those guys in and under mm. getting the ball out, then you've got McGrath on the outside who his first 20 metres reminds me, every time I see him move, his hips and his lower body remind me of Gavin Wanganeen. Just that rubbery, you can't catch me, First 15 metres out of a pack is great. Merritt out of a pack is great. Dylan Scheel is a V12 Ferrari when he's up and running. To have Dunkley and Caldwell in that side changes everything. Mm. It is It puts to bed, we need a big-bodied mid. So, oh, Lordy, if we can get this bloke, it will dead set change everything. And, and look, just before we go to the break, I guess the last element to discuss is and I don't know where the club is, is going with this, and it could be one where we we just do the draft, but we do have a forward line that's pretty weak, uh, if I'm yeah, being very honest. Yeah, must say. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of rumours going around. No doubt Peter Wright's name's been mentioned from the Suns. Is is an interesting one. He's twenty, just turned twenty four, and look for a ruckman forward. It's actually at an age where they kind of shine at that age, but his background. I sense is one of laziness. Yeah. Um, I don't feel like he's a driven kind of player. No, no. I just I look at him and go, two meter Peter. He's he's tough, man. He, he you've got to put somebody tall on him, and you've got to put a half decent defender on him. But I just go, you know what, man? If we if we the club came out and said our forward line next year is going to be James Stewart and Harrison Jones, I would be okay with that. 
put Harrison Jones in the side and get him to take marks, right? If he gets thrown around like the the 60-kilo bloke he is, then so be it. But we can chuck Draper down there if we need a bigger body. Um, but I, I don't know about 2-metre Peter. If we can pick him up for pick 806, then chuck him on the list and he'll annoy people every now and then. But he yeah, definitely is not the answer. Yeah, I, I'm kind of... Probably slightly leaning against. I, uh, I, I just, I, I do worry that you know the Suns just, just do not play him, and you go, yeah. and you go. There's got to be something that the coach is seeing that's just not, not right. He was a low pick, and and you, he clearly, yeah, he, too. he clearly has talent. Like he, you go to his highlights, right, and it's a tease. Like he's, he's, he clearly does some things that are, you know, for his size that are pretty special. But there's something just missing, and and I'm worried about. You know, you know, with a if a person who's just not driven or lazy, I, I kind of almost sensitive to our culture at the moment. I don't want guys coming in, driving a a, a wrong culture. Now, the other report wasn't. I, I don't know the the validity validity of it, but I mean, Essen were apparently reached out to Myacek's manager. Uh, uh, that Clark. I don't mind. That would be uh, that would be a two to a different ball game, and obviously Tom McDonald from Melbourne uh, is the other. I have heard that Tom McDonald from Melbourne. Yeah, I mean he's not going to kick you a lot of goals, but he's a big physical presence. I thought, he's gonna, he was a, thought he was a backman for a start. Well, they, he kind of obviously originally was, but in the last year or so, Melbourne switched him to the forward line because they just didn't have anyone. Um, okay, uh, see someone like that, I wouldn't mind. Yeah, like someone to bash and crash. He's a bash and, and crash. He'll, he will bring the ball to ground to Waller, and that's yeah. you know he will do that part of it. He'll kick you maybe two goals or, or three goals, but straightens you up, gives you a target. Don't so, mind it. So it's kind of you know they feel like temporary fixes, like three. Oh, fixes. they are. Yeah, and yeah, and yeah. Like, when we say someone like Two Meter or or Tom McDonald or somebody like that, I mean I don't know how old Tom McDonald is, but. Genuinely, they're not going to be there for our next premiership. No, right? my it's, my check's the only one I go. Yeah, I'll do a four year deal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And because I I really like his work rate. I really do rate him. I, I think he's a very very good player. Yeah. But Collingwood, I mean, they're they're dumping Trelaw so that they can get some money for a key forward. They they really really need a key forward. I reckon mm. they backed up um, the Lexus Center to Joe Danaher. <laughs> I mean, their, their list manager must be under pressure, man, because if something's gone wrong, like that for them to 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 publicly just humiliate. That's a very unbelievable, man. I, I don't. Yeah. That's really, really bad. And again, some of the reports I'm seeing online are it's very disrespectful. And Trelaw's come out just recently and said um, that uh, there's a culture problem at uh, Collingwood. But again, I mean, he's just probably been told he doesn't want to be there. It so does feel like that would be that. I mean, there's been plenty of instances in Collingwood Football Club. I mean, ask Harry O. Yeah. Ask Harry O whether or not he likes the the Collingwood Football I mean, Club, you got right? Degoey at Sidebottom, you know, in the COVID Mate, being drunk, and you know, you've got you guys got some. This is the thing, clear man. examples where they're just not disciplined anyway. I'll say Absolutely, where's the what's his face for gambling and all sorts of stuff? But I mean, I I dislike Collingwood with a passion that burns deep deep within me, right? Mostly just because they beat us on Anzac Day and it annoys me. But <laughs> um, yeah, look, Eddie, Eddie Maguire, if mate, he's he's more than a president. He he has attempted for the last, man, six, eight years more to buy a premiership for Nathan Buckley. Nathan Buckley, and I've said this before, I'll say it again. Nathan Buckley, in his first five years of coach coaching, lost more games every year than the, ga- than the year before. Right? So he lost X amount of games one year, then he lost more the next, more the next, and more the next for the first five years. Only and then he, I think he broke even, won a couple more, and this is the first season where he's actually. Had I think a, he's. I think he's had two good, two good seasons. Yeah, where he admitted he had to change his style, and it, seemed, it. it seems to have worked a bit. But, but Eddie Maguire will every single year he buys another player for um, for bucks. Travis Varco and Lee Green, uh, Levi Greenwood was supposed to put Collingwood over the top, and then they got Jesse. What's his name for one season out of the out of the Sydney Swans, um, the centre half forward who had one decent season. That's that's Eddie and Collingwood's mantra is, you have one good season like Cloak. Cloak had one good season at Collingwood, <laughs> right? Kicked a few goals, clunked a few marks. They paid him nine hundred nine hundred a year, and he. 
he just because he had one good year and he was saying about going to Fremantle and heads forward, and so they said no, 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 he can't go. So they yeah, paid him yeah. nine hundred, and it was a complete waste of time. So how they've treated Trelaw is just amazing to me. But clearly, I think the 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 people that have got past the story of um, how bad it is have said they're just trying to dump money so that they can get um, someone up the other end for Darcy Moore because they love Darcy Moore down back, um, but they need a, a decent forward because Mason Cox is not it. <laughs> so um no yeah but that's that's sure law is real interesting yeah so look uh we'll um we'll go to a break we'll come up we'll obviously um give a big spot quick sponsor ad and then then uh we'll wrap up the show yes indeed Welcome back to Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. Now then. Um, speaking finance. Speaking finance. Yeah, speaking finance. We've got a sponsor, Scotty. Sponsor uh, of the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast is Speaking Finance. Speaking Finance uh, are mortgage and finance brokers. Uh, Steve and his team of guys and girls down at Speaking Finance um, can help you with all of the paperwork for uh, any finance needs that you've got coming up. Um, thanks to um, Mr. Dan Andrews just recently letting us all out of our houses um, to be able to come over and do podcasts. Um, I'm going to be taking my uh, little jalopy down to some uh, <laughs> some uh, some car lots in the very near future to change over my car, and uh, I think I'm going to be giving Mr. Uh, Mr. M's down there at Speaking Finance a call to see whether or not he can help us. Look, if you if you want to um, say if you're a tradie or something along those lines, I'll keep using that um, um, that analogy. But if you're a tradie or something, you want to buy um, some new plants, some new equipment, new tradie, a uh, new Ute or something along like uh, along those lines. Um, Steve and his team are mortgage brokers and finance brokers, so they can absolutely help you with um, getting that finance, help you out with all the paperwork and the like. So um, a massive thank you to Steve uh, and the guys at Speaking Finance for, for sponsoring us this year. And look, uh, they did want me uh, just to mention that they they are open, really ready for business now. So you can you can reach them out on their Facebook page, yep. send them a message, they'll respond straight away. Bomber fans, one Bomber. and all. Bomber yep. fans, one and all. Steve mentioned that... Uh, <laughs> Um, if you want to ring up and, uh, and talk uh, finance with him, absolutely. If you want to talk about who's going to be playing at full forward, um, he's more than happy to do that for you as well. So, um, yeah, get him. Uh, it's the best to get him on his Facebook page uh, at Speaking Finance on Facebook page, but you can also get him at speakingfinance.com.au. Um, so huge thank you to Steve and the guys at Speaking Finance. Yep. Uh, look, we haven't really mentioned too much the uh, appointments of the extension contracts of Langford, uh, Ridley and McGrath. Uh, such good news. Good it, it, it does has felt like it's it's been a much more positive uh, seven to ten days since we've since our last main show. So yeah, uh, I I'm really liking the core youth uh, of our club, but I'm I'm kind of liking their spirit uh, too. Uh, I feel like they're they're next. Yeah, they're the, they're the guys, man. Uh, you know, McGrath is is. Um, Really talking the talk, uh, and he seems quite driven. And, and that guy has leader written all over him. Yeah, uh, so really, really good news. Uh, and just I mean, to to address uh, Zach as well, um, Zach Merritt's um, he's going to be playing at the Essendon Football Club next year. He said, "Yeah, yeah." So he's he's verbally said that now, um, and obviously the the president Paul Brasher you know, has let the fans know that he's told him him, him as well. So, uh, look, there's there's no doubt an underlying kind of feel with Zach Merritt that he's kind of put the challenge to the club still. Like, he, yeah. he'll play, but yeah. he wants, he wants obviously, to see a club that's uh, working uh, better uh, in, in all areas, in all and that's, areas that he's pointed out. And, that you know, that's how it is. Absolutely. And that's why I think when people go, yeah, but he's only, he hasn't committed long-term. He should If he doesn't want to commit long-term, he doesn't want to, no, 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 no. Zach has been through, like Zach's been our number one midfielder for ages, right? He's done the hard yards at the club. He's done, he's coming off his contract now. He's got one more year to go on it. Um, Zach was shook, I reckon, this year. He was shaken a little bit with regards to how we played and the issues that we had on the field. And I think he's well within his rights to not, he's not holding the club to ransom. He's not doing anything weird. He's just saying, okay, guys, I'm committing to this club again because I have a contract. I'm committed to this club again for the next 12 months. But I bet you a million bucks he would have said, but I want to see a clear direction or a clear, um, 
um, I'll stick with direction, a direction for the club in these next 12 months. So that's, I think, why he hasn't recommitted to a long-term deal. And I think he's well and truly deserving um, the ability to sit back and say, I'll play my heart out for um, for the Red Sash, absolutely, but I want to see something change in this next 12 months. I think he's absolutely earned it. No, no, well, exactly. And and look, the reality is he turns 26 next year and that, that would, that's the time where you finish your long-term deal. Like you get a four or five-year deal to sort of see out most of your career. Yeah. He wants success. Like that, that, that next deal, he wants to know, is it for real? Like, yeah, are, you know, we, are we going to be seriously playing finals and not just getting in at position eight and then getting smashed in the first round yeah. and getting booted out? Because no, never forget that the the 2020 footballer nowadays, like Adam Saad, the 2020 footballer nowadays is portable. They're definitely portable. And if they think that in that last five years they can get – I mean, everybody would just walk up to Alistair Lynch and just go, there is the perfect example. Alistair Lynch would be getting smashed in the GWS forward line for the remainder of his his career. He knows it, so he, he could see where the club was going. So he went to a club that's successful, and he's now played in, what, two of the three grand finals? So the players nowadays are looking, going, this is my last contract. Right? This is the four to five years where I need to have success if I'm going to be a premiership player. And as much as, um, Zach, we hope... <laughs> Sorry, did you say Alistair Lynch? Did I say Alistair Lynch? <laughs> Yes. Alice, did I say Alice Lynch? We'll have to check the tape. <laughs> no, no. I'm, like, I was thinking like Alistair Lynch from Brisbane, like the old player. Like, <laughs> What's his name, Lynch, from Judah? What's his name? He's, he's definitely not Lynch. Um, uh, What's his name, Lynch? Ah, uh, ah. Uh, <laughs> Lynch. That's at, that's at uh, Richmond. Whatever his name. Dirty, big, blonde, dirty player that he is. Um, oh, um, oh, is that who you mean? Lynch. Um, from from the Suns. Yeah. Oh, now, that's why I just said Suns and Tom stuff Lynch. like that. Tom, Tom Lynch. Tommy Lynch, right? I was going, what is he so talking about? Lynch? Is, is you having I'm going to get hammered for that. At least it's, having a dimension, mo- dimension moment. Yeah, there. no, sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> Tommy Lynch, um, yeah, he, he, you, people look at him and go, does he even remember his years at um, Gold Coast anymore? He just he's a he's a dual premiership player now, playing at full forward for the, for Richmond. So look, the the players, whilst we hope that they play for their entire careers at the Essendon Footy Club, and I want to see Zach Merritt's painting on the wall um, at Tullamarine, absolutely right. But unfortunately, nowadays, it is a lot more mercenary. And someone like Adam Saad, who we all loved to death while he was wearing the the jumper, now I hope he gets two possessions a game for the rest of his life. Um, But if they think they can go to Carlton and in the next sort of three to four to five years or whatever it is from Saadi, he can get more coin and a premiership, Mm-hmm. the players seriously consider it. And as, as as mercenary as that sounds, that's where we're at because never forget, everybody needs to remember that it's their job. Back in the 80s and stuff like that, they played for um, 8 bucks 50 and a pie afterwards and Paul Vanderhaar probably played for a packet of smokes. But nowadays, it's a business and part of that business for the players is winning premierships. So I have n- no problems whatsoever with Zach Merritt sitting there saying, yep, no worries, I'm contracted. I'll absolutely play with you guys next year. And I hope what he would have said to the club would be, I'm committed to the club. I'm an Essendon player. I I want to be here for the rest of my career. If he sees some change next year and we see some improvement, we could get that long-term deal with him and he knows he could be pretty close or, or well enough to be getting that premiership. Yep. There you go. All said? Yep. Well, we'll wrap it up. Uh, thank you, everyone, for for joining us. Thanks. It's good to be back, Scotty. It's good to be back. And yes, mate, I'm sitting in the I'm sitting in the comfy chair. I've got the I've got the Roadcaster five thousand in front of me, and uh, it's nice to be literally. It's nice to be out of the house. So. I know it was nice to actually look at you while I'm talking. You know, just. <laughs> we can sit here because for for many years we um we huddled around one little tiny microphone and like we were really way too close to for heterosexual males, um and. <laughs> But now we've got our beautiful. I'm relaxing back in the chair. I've got the mic in front of me. All thanks to our um, our Patreon listeners, by the way. Um, but yeah, dude, this has been great. Um, and thank goodness there's a bit of sun outside. This is great. Yes. So uh, thank you everyone for joining us. Uh, we'll be back soon, as closer probably once uh, trade period kicks off. Uh, Mate, if if we hear Dunkley nominate or something like that happens, anything big, Scotty and I emergency, emergency podcast burst in for an emergency podcast. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Thank you, everyone. Thank you to our patrons, uh, as always. Thank you to uh, Ron Connolly again. And thank you, Ron Connolly. 
And yeah, by the way, too, uh, patreon.com forward slash the lunchtime catch up. Yep. Um, go and check it out, the Patreon. We have a ball over there. We've had a, a whole heap of new Patreons come on, which has been great. Yep. Um, we have a ball with that community and a massive thank you to the to the guys and girls um, that have uh, joined up. Yeah, we've been doing a couple of shows almost a week with the Patreons and it's been great. So yeah. if you want some uh, extra content. Extra and, bang on. And we discuss a lot of trades and a lot of drafts and we talk to our Patreons direct. And yeah, it's, absolutely. It's been awesome. So uh, thank you, everyone. Uh, rest in peace, Doc. Reed, uh, thank you again. Absolutely. And and uh, you'll always be remembered and cherished.